This episode is marked for sensitive content. Check content warnings in the episode description before listening. This week on The Breakup Breakdown. Back then, message boards were really popular. We had like our own chat going. In that group, me, we'll call him Bob and her, Susan. She calls me and she's like, hey, I see that you know Bob. And I'm like, oh yeah, we've been dating. And she's like, that's real funny because we've been dating too. There's somebody on the website looking for us. They found his wife. There's nothing scarier than knowing your boyfriend wife is looking for you. Hey, what's up? It's Abby from The Breakup Breakdown. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode. Hey, this is the podcast that gets to the bottom of those messy breakups that you want to know more about. It could be that girl you follow from high school who deleted all her engagement photos out of nowhere. Or maybe it's something you saw on TikTok that you thought would be a good story to get more details on. And it might even be your own breakup story that you want to tell. Hey, if you've got a suggestion for the podcast, head down to the episode description. That's where you'll find the submission form to submit all those inquiries or anonymous tips there. Also, while you're down there, check out the details for the Breakup Breakdown podcast brunch. That's going down in Atlanta on September 23rd. And if you want to jump to a certain part of this interview, you can always find timestamps and content warnings in the episode description. Hey, Heartbreakers, welcome back to another episode of the Breakup Breakdown. Glad to have you back for another episode. Or if it's your first time tuning in, Welcome. Welcome to the Breakup Chaos. This week, we're diving into a breakup that went viral on TikTok a couple of weeks ago. If you're on the internet, you probably saw the clip that I'll share in just a second. But before we get into that, wanted to let you know what domestic violence shelter we're raising awareness for this week. If you're new to the podcast, every week we give a different shelter throughout the country a shout out just so you know how you can support with your time, money or resources. As always, you can find those details in the episode description. This week, we're giving a shout out to Safe House in Denver, Colorado. Safe House in Denver serves survivors of domestic violence and their children through an emergency shelter. They also have access to a full range of bilingual programming, including individual counseling, group sessions, advocacy, and safety planning. Again, check out all those details in the episode description. Another shout out this week is going to the Breakup Breakdown Brunch. This is going down on September 23rd in Atlanta, Georgia. Right now, tickets are available for $50. That will include a brunch and also the live podcast that you'll only be able to get live at the show. So if you want to be there and get all the breakup tea in person, you can check out those details. Once again, Again, say it would be in the episode description. Okay, so let's get into this week's episode. So I got tagged in this TikTok like 8,000 times because it's got nearly 3 million views. It's from the Novels and Nonsense podcast. So book talk girlies, if after you listen to this episode, you want more content, you should definitely check them out. They're hysterical. But here's what it said. Met a guy online and we were dating. I posted a picture and this girl calls me and she's like, um, that's my boyfriend. No, Tabitha. And she's like, but fun. She goes, but fun fact. He's also married. <gasps> the wife calls me and she's like, I'm sorry, my husband's such a piece of shit. <laughs> um, and me and the wife became friends and she invited me to a party to celebrate her divorce. <laughs> we made shirts. No. And hers, hers said my husband cheated on me and all I got was his girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> mine said my boyfriend cheated on me and all I got was his I was also dying at some of the comments. They said, never let your boyfriend keep you from meeting your bestie. Someone else said, this is like the movie The Other Woman. And my personal favorite said, we don't get mad, we get custom shirts, which is my motto for just about anything in life. I love a custom shirt with a snarky saying. But I heard this and I immediately wanted to know more because, you know, when you hear about like cliche breakup stories where, (laughs) you probably heard them on this podcast, where the wife or the girlfriend or the husband finds out that their partner was cheating on them 
with you or whoever we're interviewing and they get mad at that person. And it's such misguided anger, understandably, right? Like we get it. We understand why they feel that way. But to me, it was so fascinating to see that it sounds like the person we're going to interview and the wife end up becoming friends out of all this. You got to be curious, like what did they bond over? Did they get some kind of revenge on him? There just was so much more to the story that I wanted to know. And they also just seemed like a really good time. So I really just wanted to chit chat and get more details on the story. So that's what we did. We broke down this week's breakup. We were in a weight loss group. (laughs) Yeah. And back then message boards were really popular. So we were on message boards talking all day. And of course I was supposed to be at my corporate job, like working. And instead I was like (laughs) playing on the computer. And there happened to be like seven of us that really were on there at the same time every day. We kind of formed our own group. We had like our own chat going in that group. Me, we'll call him Bob and her Susan. And he lived five hours from me. And I was like, oh, and we we started talking. We had a lot in common. You know, the other people in the group were really cool too, but who cares? So we started talking and DMing and getting really like, you know, cute. (laughs) I woke up every morning to sweet little messages being like, hey, gorgeous. (laughs) When you're 23, and at the time I weighed 400 pounds. I don't wear, I don't weigh 400 pounds anymore, but at the time I did. And so somebody's giving me attention. I'm like, hell yeah. You know, no questions asked. He's like, I don't have any social media. I'm like, yeah, no, that's fine. Social media is stupid. Nobody (laughs) likes Do you have like a profile picture? Do you have anything to go off mm-hmm. of? Okay, so you, you can yeah. see a photo of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was cute. I mean, I was full up front of who I was. I wasn't like hiding anything. It was a weight loss website. I wasn't expecting to meet a guy. And he was like, I'm going to come meet you. Can I come meet you for the weekend? And of course, I'm like, yeah, man. Okay, to <laughs> like, catch a predator. <laughs> yeah, like don't ask any questions. Be like, you can come to my house with my roommate. Sure. <laughs> Why not? I don't ask for your ID or your social or nothing. He planned this weekend to come. He comes for a whole weekend. He shows up. He asks to meet my friends. Like we go to a bar. He meets all my friends. He like integrates himself into my personal life. I want to ask really quickly about him coming to visit you. So when he showed up, like this is some stranger you met on the internet. Was it normal? Did it feel weird? Did you guys hit it off instantly? Yeah, we hit it off instantly. I'm very like my personality is just like, hey, you know, so I'm not I'm not awkward with people. So and he was very outgoing. So it was really cool. He just came in. We went to a movie. We went to dinner, like, and just hit it off. Okay. So, um, like, typical normal, like, it, everything was great, just an unconventional way yeah. of meeting him. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Continue. No, it's okay. <laughs> so then, and I had on the message board in our chat written, like, I guess something pertaining to him and, and a picture. And I get a phone call from the other person who, mind you, I'm 23. Bob is like 25. She's in her late 30s, almost 40s. Okay. Calls me and that's fine. Not ageist. (laughs) But she calls me and she's like, hey, I see that you know Bob. And I'm like, oh yeah, we've been dating. And she's like, that's real funny because we've been dating too. And I was like, this old woman, (laughs) I'm not trying to be a bitch, but it was one of those moments where I was like, what? Of course I start crying at (laughs) 7am. What's happening? He's not answering his phone. And she says, there's somebody on the website looking for us. They found his phone statement. I guess they found her phone number because they were talking at 2am, Abby, at 2am. When was he talking to me? 
I don't know, 5 p.m. at a normal, decent human hour all day. Like, why were you talking to him at 2 a.m.? So we find out that she knows he was cheating the whole time. She's like, they're looking for you on the website. Here's the profile they're using, like some anonymous profile to try to track us down. And so I think she thinks that I'm going to be like, the fuck? And like, go hiding. No, I messaged this profile. And I was like, hi, I'm the other girl you're looking for. I had no idea. (laughs) Just like, I'm sorry. My bad. Like, I really didn't know. He's not answering my calls. I'm upset. Blah, 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 blah. So then the wife calls me and she's like, I'm like scared because I'm like, she's going to yell at me. I didn't know what to do. She calls me and she's like, I'm so sorry that my husband's a piece of shit. And I was like, I'm also sorry that your husband's a piece of shit. And so her and I talk on the phone for probably two hours. Like, how do you even start a conversation with your boyfriend's wife that you didn't even know existed until like a day ago? Yeah, I think we started talking about, you know, how did this happen? How did he find me? How did all these things happen? And then it just progressed into like her talking about their marriage, how she suspected something. And then like we were, we're I mean, he obviously has a type. She's the same person, you know, same personality. We're joking around. We're laughing. We're having fun. Just I think she was one of those people that were just like, you know what? Fuck it. They were high. They were high school sweethearts. She's like, I'm done here. It's been, you know, like he's trash. And so she uh, ended the conversation. Still, I still couldn't get him to respond to me. Weeks go by before he responds to me because he took my virginity. So I didn't know, you know, like that he was doing all this. Do you know that you were a he did? Yeah, that was proof that I didn't know. I told him I was like, I did. I, I would have never let this horrible man, you know, do that. And the fact that he knew, he knew he was doing that. And that just really, what a trash human being, you know? And so the wife, you know, again, we kept talking. I think, I think that aspect really made her be like, this poor girl. Because you had no (laughs) idea. I I was so in the dark. And again, I'm 400 pounds. That mental mindset is just like, nobody's going to love me, you know, all that stuff. And so when he is showing all the affection and he's the one that takes your virginity, it's like, what do you mean? You know, like, why would you lie to me? Why would you do that? Why would you lie to a girl who you know you're taking her virginity? I'm so confused by that. Like, what a psych, that is psychotic behavior. It's also just incredibly selfish. Like, you aren't thinking about anybody but yourself. And of course, I'm still not to the mad part. I'm still like in the depressed part. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I'm going to throw a party to celebrate my divorce. She's like, I know this is really weird, but you need to come to it. I really want you to come. Let's have this moment of like, we're done. And my mom at the time was like, do not go to that party, you psycho. Like, don't do that. You don't know these people just like you didn't know him. You don't know these people. They could be coercing you there. To like, and I was like, listen, like I have to go. Something tells me I have to go. I need closure. So I go and I meet all his friends who have all abandoned him. <laughs> And I think that really helped me like move on. Yeah, they were really cool people, like really cool group. I still talk to some of them like. Oh, my um, God, amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a lot of fun and it was a big party. And who was at the party? My husband. That's where you met your husband? <laughs> That's where I met my husband. And so if I wouldn't have gone to that party, I wouldn't have met him. He was a childhood best friend of the wife. You meet your husband at this party. OK, so set the scene for me. You're at this party. <laughs> Are you nervous? Are you excited? Are you yes. a little drunk? Like what's happening? <laughs> Okay, so obviously I didn't know he was going to be my husband at the time. So he was just some random dude in the back. Yeah, I'm terrified and I'm staying with the wife. Listen, I know that everything I tell you is constant bad decisions. Like (laughs) I am sleeping at the wife's house 
for the weekend. We are getting drunk, talking. We made those stupid ass shirts. Wait, what <laughs> we shirts did you a- make? You made shirts? So we made shirts that said, my wife, uh, my boyfriend cheated on me and all I got was his wife. And her says, my wife cheated on me and or my, bo- my husband cheated on me and all I got was his girlfriend. And we sure as shit made those little puffy paint. Super crafty. We wore them out in public. Did people stop you? Were they like, what are you wearing? Yes, yes, yes. We went to um, a pure romance party. Do you know what pure romance is? It's like uh, selling sex toys. She had a friend that was having a pure romance party. And she's like, you know, it'd be funny as if we wore these shirts to that party. That's literally, that's literally hysterical. And so we show up to the, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Everybody at the party was like, what's happening? What's with the shirts? And we were like, just cracking up. I think it was very healing because we were like drunk. We're laughing. We're just like, fuck this. It was just, it was a lot of drunk nonsense they had a party they had like a um tombstone for their marriage with the dates of their marriage on it and like the wedding dress got set on fire all kinds of shit like it was a wild wild weekend so it was a lot of fun yeah and then i kept being friends with them um and i would go out for parties all the time like halloween blah 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 blah. my husband i thought he hated me i thought he hated me because he's painfully shy and he wouldn't talk to me or anything like that and i had a birthday party in january so this has gone full circle it's now almost a year since this has happened in January I got wasted and he got wasted and admitted that he liked me so and then we started dating so there's more to this this is why I'm telling you so we started dating we find out that Bob and Susan remember the other lady are now married they have gotten married they are off living their cheater lives together they are still married to this day I checked on them the I checked on them after the video went viral because I was like wait I need to see if they're still together hell yeah Bob and Susan <laughs> yeah good for you you know cheaters be cheating and there's no way that he's not still cheating like that is some compulsive sex addict behavior i'm sorry that's crazy whatever and she's got to be like almost 50 by now so good you know good for you does susan have money i'm not somebody who talks trash about women i'm really not but it was like she had fake boobs you know that she would like show and everything she's a very sexual like person very openly sexual whereas you had me who was like i grew up in a christian private school and it was just I think it was the appeal of everything because even his wife was very not like that and so I think it was the appeal of everything else you Mm. know yeah so maybe he do you think he had some kind of like sexual addiction oh yeah for sure because she even has different phone numbers on that phone bill but she it was just to the point where it wasn't happening as much as my phone number and her phone number and so she was like I'm gonna just let those go but it had to have been there had to have been other people and the fact that Susan knew that he was cheating but she got mad when she found out about me that's why she was mad she didn't know he's cheating with me it's okay for him to be cheating on his wife but not not with me (laughs) she probably thought that she was the only other woman and we've Mm -hmm. talked about this on my podcast before where part of the appeal of being the other woman when you know you're the other woman he's choosing me it's like getting chosen in a different way and so Mm -hmm. if he's like wait you're but you're also choosing this other girl like it takes away the appeal exactly exactly that and so I just good for them Good for them. We love Bob and Susan. They're happy. I know. Yeah. Living your life. I don't care. Back to me and we're getting married. I message Bob and I'm like, because I just wanted to get one final, like, I don't know, punch in there or something. I don't know what came over me, but I messaged him and I was like, hey, just so you know, these events have happened. I've become friends with your friends. I've gotten the better end of the deal. I'm sorry that you suck. Kind of, you know, it's probably more eloquently written. And I was like, just so you know, I'm getting married. Sucks for you. (laughs) 
And that motherfucker wrote back, Abby, I swear on all that is holy. And he's like, good for you, blah, 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 blah. I know this is so weird to ask, but I'm ordained to marry people. Wouldn't it be so funny if I married y'all? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I was like, are you high? Like, are you on something? What? Who says that? And then he like follows up. And he's like, I'm just kidding. And I'm like, hmm. Because <laughs> that was a weird fucking thing to say. <laughs> he was trying to make his 150 and have some cash for the weekend right. <laughs> trying to make somebody up of it well and i responded and i was like well no you can't because your wife is one of my bridesmaids so that's real weird <laughs> so yeah his wife ended up being a bridesmaid of mine and, and everything so. I, i'm gonna say this this is straight out of like one of the rom-com books we would read yeah like <laughs> yeah. this this is like a tessa bailey emily henry type yeah. setup so you know what at least you get that <laughs> yeah well and i it's look at you know in the moment it was the most tragic thing to ever happen happened to me you know that kind of thing but looking back it is so funny and it was so funny that I had brought it up on the podcast because again it was 13 years ago like I never think about this unless somebody's like how did you meet your husband and then I'm like oh and I usually just say I met him at a party because like I'm not trying to go into this story unless it's like a close friend and because it's just a long ass story like you honestly came out on top I mean you left with a husband some more friends Uh, and a really good story I always wanted to write a book about it but then I'm like just block I don't want to do it so I'm like if anybody wants to ghostwrite that for me you're welcome to just like give me credit no you you should and I honestly I always feel like readers make the best writers because we're constantly judging other writers in our head like that's not fucking stupid why'd they say that (laughs) why'd they write it this way (laughs) I know that's me and my reviews on on Instagram I'm like um this book was trash I feel like I could have written this when cut to me like on my couch eating Oreos and my three-year-old screaming in my face there's no way I'm writing this fucking book Let's talk, let's talk a little <laughs> bit about like what the aftermath of that was like, because I feel like so a lot of my podcasts, it's kind of like, you know, the, the breakup is really hard, but it seems like you almost had like a better time. Like once the yeah. you found out like what happened, did you ever yeah. confront him or have like a conversation with him about it? Because it kind of just seems like we jumped into straight like that ass revenge mode, which I love. Yeah, <laughs> I did jump into straight because he wasn't responding to me. Oh, OK, he wasn't because that's the one downfall is I didn't know where he lived. He only knew where I lived again. Red flag. Um, And he wasn't responding to my messages I don't think I ever got to talk to him until like maybe a week later and he called me and he was just like um say what you need to say is what he said and I was like say what I need to say no I need some explanation from you but again I'm crying I'm hurt you know and he was like well I'm sorry I'm sorry that this happened and I'm like you're not really apologizing like this isn't really an apology and it just made me at that moment you know badass revenge hadn't cut in yet because that was only a week later and I was just like, I meant nothing. I meant nothing to you. I was just a stop on your little game, you know, and you were having fun. And I told him, I said, what kind of trash human takes knowingly someone's virginity like that when you know that that's the special thing, especially I'm a completely different person now, but I grew up in a very strict like Christian household and not that my view was to hold my virginity till marriage, but shit, like it meant something, you know, and he knew that. He knew all that. We talked about it. We had deep conversations about it. Like you knew what you were doing and why would you do this? And he was like, well, I just wasn't thinking. Yeah, no shit. Like we know that we know I, I'm going to need more from you. And then when he wasn't giving more and I'm telling you, it was like talking to a brick wall on that phone. He was just shutting down and he knew he could because we're just on a phone call. What am I going to do? And so I just was just like, fuck you and hung up the phone. Never heard from him again, you know, and then 
the group on the website, me, him and her, me, Bob and Susan all stopped communicating, obviously, for a few weeks because shit was going down. I wasn't giving a crap about my calorie count. <laughs> all They're like sending messages being like, where are you guys? What's happening? Is everybody OK? So I finally send a message. And I'm like, here's what happened. Like, this is what he did. This is who he took down with him. And, you know, obviously they cut him out, too. <laughs> Well, he pops in one day and he's like, I just want to apologize to all that I hurt. And I was like, that's more an apology than I got from you specifically. You just apologize to our group more than you ever apologized. Like you are, that's a psycho, like you're a psycho and not throwing around that word loosely because I have listened to some of your episodes and I'm like, these men are crazy. But, like, yeah. but I'm like, that's true psychotic behavior. Like that's, I could never, I could never be so heartless. I feel like where's your conscience. And so it makes me wonder again, 13 years later, he's married to her. What is your marriage like? Like, what is that? What probably terrible are you? person? <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine that it's great. And she had kids. I remember that she had kids. They have to be adults by now, but like you let that man around your kids. <laughs> well, I think you described it perfectly because I actually weirdly enough, had it somewhat similar, not scenario, but a similar story of somebody having that kind of confrontation where their ex was absolutely 100% in the wrong. And when they confronted their partner, they were like, why did you do that? And they're like, well, I wasn't thinking. And I think it yeah. goes to show like, it's like such a cop-out response when you're shutting down emotionally, where mm -hmm. you don't even want to have to process what you did to someone because he knows exactly what he did to you. But oh, he's, yeah. yeah, he's like, if I ha if I say those words, I'm sorry, and I confront with what I've actually done, like, I know I'm going to feel like shit. Right. So I think you phrased that perfectly. And I can't even imagine what that span had been like before the badass mode kicked in. Because I also right. have grown up in, in Christian circles and like the purity thing is very real yeah. and not not only you know being an adult and making the choice to sleep with someone but then also like now having to look back is that a, on that is like such a horrible experience like was that challenging for you to get over or did yeah. you just kind of push away I it was really hard for me because um, obviously my mom knew what happened because I had to tell her you know her first response in fact my, my mom has passed now and it's one of those things where it's like she was a very um, emotional abusive mom so like whatever I say don't feel bad time has moved on but her first words when I explained what happened and called crying was did you sleep with him did you give him your virginity and I was like that's not the point of the story mother like <laughs> I'm in pain and so then it became the shameful thing she won't a she won't talk about sex we don't talk about that right like that's not and so like I learned about sex from the tv show Roseanne you know like she never ever ever talked about it yeah I didn't have anybody to work that out with and I think that was another reason why the wife and I talked so much because I was like literally who do I talk to who do I talk to about this what do I what do I do yeah <laughs> therapy was also frowned upon in my house so I couldn't go to therapy it was traumatic it was a very dark time like it was very I felt like shit and so I think that's why that party that I went to was like oh not only did this happen to me this happened to an entire group of people because it's the butterfly effect right like you're not just affecting me and the wife and whoever it's then affecting your sister-in-law and your mother-in-law and your best friend and everybody because they have to choose sides now everybody has this butterfly effect trickling down and it's such a it made me feel like i'm not alone and i could finally openly talk about what was happening because they knew and so that's how i healed was doing that like <laughs> obviously not everybody can go to a party with the wife <laughs> 
And I think that was such an amazing thing about the wife was that she realized it's him. It's not me. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't know. And why would you be mad at me? You could be mad at Susan because Susan knew. But I think that happens a lot is that women get so mad at the other woman. And it's like half. I mean, some do know, but a lot of them don't. You know, like it's not my fault that your man's scum. Like, what do we do? Well, because so it's, it's, it's an easy way to, like, deflect your emotions onto right. somebody else because you don't want to have to reconcile with the fact that the man you've been sleeping next to for the past however long is actually garbage because then what does that say about you not that it says anything about somebody who's part of no yeah but But that's what we're taught like as a society like you know you couldn't keep your man and you especially like in the christian community it's like uh not to bring god into the conversation but it's you are taught like you're to keep your man you're you keep him happy you do all these things and it's like no i mean he has to do stuff too (laughs) you know he has to be a joint player in the game so Talk to me about like what it was like dating your husband after that, because if I'm you, I ain't trusting nobody. No. And it was that that man is a saint. When I tell you my husband is just a saint. Um, So it was six months later. So, well, like eight months later, I think is when we started dating. And I think it helps that he's very, very shy. Again, I thought he hated me. So like, but he was just too terrified to talk to me. So in my head, I'm like, okay, he's not going to go cheat on me. (laughs) Who's he going to talk to? (laughs) His mom. (laughs) Right. But I could see a difference because again, he lived there. So it's a four and a half, five hour drive. And he would come every other weekend without fail. And I would go there every other weekend. So you could see that it was making the effort. But I, to this day, I mean, it messes with you psychologically. Um, And my dad cheated on my mom and my stepdad cheated on my mom. And Bob knew that too. (laughs) Fucking Bob. I know. Like you. (laughs) So it's like he knew all these things and still did it. I can't let it go. But to to this day is I'll still be like very insecure. So he leaves for days at a time. But it's just one of those things where it's like my husband's in a hotel right now. I'm not truly nervous, but all men cheat, right? Like this is what you're taught. All men are cheaters. All men are trash. And it's like, no, I have to remind myself that he's not, you know, and like, he's an open book. I can track him on my phone. You know, I can do whatever I want to. I'm not, but like, it's just one of those things. It's still psychologically in your head. And so dating him after is I would constantly be like, you can leave, you can leave. You're not stuck here. You don't have to keep dating me. It's fine. And he'd be like, what? Like, why would I leave you? Why would I, what are you talking about? Like, I'm not driving five hours for nothing, you know? (laughs) So it's very, very insecure time in my life. So, <laughs> but he's a saint. He put up with it. He was just like, all right, crazy. We got to get. Well, no, it's wild. I think it's one of my favorite parts about doing this podcast is like, if you've never had a healthy relationship to look up to, or if you've never right. been in one, you literally think like, this is just what it is. And like, this is just what you put up with. My mom put up with it. Uh, I put up with it at some point. And yeah. so it's like your husband literally is a saint because it takes those type of people to be like, actually, we can be healthy right. individuals. Literally, you said it perfectly. It was like, a perfect even split I go visit him he comes visit mm-hmm. me talk to me about like is that something that still brings up insecurities when he goes away or are you still kind of in the back of your mind like is there is there some little hussy no no not anymore it did at first it did at first at first we didn't have kids I was home alone you know he'd leave for days and I would just be like where are you going until finally he pulled out he has on Facebook he was like pulled up picture of these old men that he works with he's like listen this is the man I worked with the other day and we stayed in the hotel together this is the man I worked with (laughs) and I go are there no women he's like let me show you the woman that (laughs) 
butch lesbian. He's like, you're it's no thing. He's like, literally no problem. Tabitha. Like you're okay. So, so was it just kind of like him painting the picture of you've got nothing to fear? Like what really started to alleviate those yeah. like, thoughts? Well, and he, and he comes from a line of nobody's divorced, but not because they're not allowed to be divorced. They're just, I know barf, like must be nice. <laughs> What what was this happy childhood you had? What do you mean? Yeah, he just had to constantly, constantly, constantly reassure me that everything's okay. And that's why I say he's the same because I feel like if it was the other way around, I'd have been like, oh my God, like how else do you, I can't, what do you want to do? You want to come on the train with me? Like, what do you need? You know what I mean? Like he's a better person than I am a hundred times over. But yeah, he would constantly have to reassure me that everything's okay. And eventually, you know, he proved himself. There wasn't ever anything I had to, and the fact that I'll take him to like friends' houses and he becomes so shy he can't even talk to people we've known for like a year. I'm not worried. You're in the clear. In fact, if he does pick up a woman, please, I'd love to talk to her and see how he had that conversation go. Because he had to be like blackout drunk to speak to me. So <laughs> I'd, gotta, love to, I'd love to know. You got to like exchange notes. Like, what did you do? What worked? Like, what phrases? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not even mad right now. Can you just tell me how you got him to speak to people? Okay, one more thing I want to talk about, if you're comfortable sure. with. Just because we talk a lot about self-esteem on my podcast. And... Mm-hmm. With a lot of the therapists that I talk to, they say a lot of the relationship problems and sort of the the mental humps people have to get over, uh, the uh, the big root cause is usually self-esteem or self-worth. So have you been on like a personal journey of sort of healing that part of yourself? And if so, like what have been some things that have been helpful for you? I think it, you know, it all goes back to my mom would tell, this is like a deep thing. I don't, I'm an open book, but if this isn't where you want to go, but she, no, I, I was, we're going deep. She's gone. So she can't listen to this and then berate me for it. Um, <laughs> but I was, I was always chubby growing up and always a bigger girl. And she would tell me that nobody's going to love me because I'm fat. So that was told to me all the time, constantly. Like if you don't lose weight, nobody's going to love you. She'd buy me slim fast without even asking. She'd buy me all these like um, crazy things to lose weight. And so to me, weight was related to love, which is real funny because she was also fat. So I don't really know. Yeah. (laughs) Projection. Correct. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, let's talk that through, ma'am. But so when you're told that all the time, on top of that, I was diagnosed bipolar when I tried to when I was 16, I tried to end it when I was 16 because I was so depressed from that being told to me all the time that in the psych ward, they diagnosed me as bipolar, which I am clearly bipolar. When I got released, she made me come off that medication because it was shameful to be bipolar and nobody would love me if I was bipolar. I'd never get a job. I wouldn't be able to have kids if I was bipolar, which I know is what her generation was taught. That is what they were taught. But like, that's not the truth. But I didn't know that, you know, like, so now I'm taught to lie about not being bipolar. And so when I am trying to off myself again, or I'm going on crazy spending sprees, I was 18 and in thousands of dollars of debt because I got access to credit cards and I'm bipolar. You spend, you go through a manic phase, you know, like all these things. In fact, I didn't get put on proper bipolar medication until I was 30 when she died. So it was just you having the bravery to actually get on medication? Yeah. To finally be like, she's gone and she can't because even though, you know, I'm married and I moved out, she was very much, you know, that mom that was like in your business all day. Um, In fact, when we found out I couldn't have kids, that I was infertile, she made me feel bad about it. She, yeah. And then we decided, you know, after a couple of years of trying that uh, we were just going to foster kids, that there's kids out there that need love. And if I can't have kids, then we'll just love on. We've, we've had eight foster kids. We adopted two of them. So it was, but she was just like, mm, I don't know if you're 
um, emotionally strong enough to handle this. And so, yeah, it was always just the, the worst, you know, of it instead of looking for the positive. So that's how I grew up. So even the way I know that you are a good mother and would have been when she was talking about is when you were given the opportunity between having kids and being a mother, you still chose being a mother. Right. And I think think that's a sign that you've got your head in the right place. Okay. Continue. Thank you. No, that's okay. Um, before we, before we started fostering, I had gastric bypass surgery because again, I was still so, I think Charles and I had only been married for three years and I was like, now I can't have kids. Why would he want to stay with me? You know, like what, what use am I? Because Mm -hmm. that is again, what you're taught, like not only by my mother, but by Christian culture, like you're supposed to be fruitful and multiply, right? Like, and I can't do that. And so what value am I as a woman, you know? And so it was a whole, just a whole thing. And I'm not going to therapy during this time because again, I can't tell anybody that I'm bipolar really, because then again, nobody will like me. Nobody will love me. Nobody will let me have kids. Why would anybody let me have kids if they found out I was bipolar? You know, because that's again, what's being shoved down my throat. So anyways, I had gastric bypass, gastric bypass. I lost 200 pounds. I was the most miserable I had ever been in my life because then it became now I'm skinny in, you know, the world's view. And if I screw up and I gain anything back, I've now failed everybody. When my mom died, I found in her wallet a paper, not not in her wallet. She had like a prayer box and I found a paper prayer that she had written on it. And it said, I hope that Tabitha keeps her weight loss. By all means, ma'am, people are dying. People are starving. There's children in foster care, but sure. Let's go ahead and pray to the Lord that I stay skinny. What? He's up there just rolling his eyes like, okay. mm." Right. The Lord is like, okay, lady. Like, I... (laughs) She's really like, let her cup runneth over with slim fast. <laughs> right. right. And then I also realized when I was, you know, quote unquote skinny. And again, the most miserable is that my marriage took a big hit because I wasn't being myself. I wasn't comfortable. I was so down on myself all the time and beating myself up. And Charles didn't know how to handle that because he's like, I loved you at 400 pounds. I married you at 400 pounds. You didn't have to stay at 400 pounds, but at 400 pounds, you were laughing and you were having fun and you were being yourself. And now you're so terrified to do anything or screw anything up. You're not even being yourself. So it it was a whole journey. My mom died when I was 30. And when she died, I had started going to a therapist because we were adopting and it was foster care will take its toll on you. (laughs) Like that will take a big toll. And I finally went to a therapist, which apparently that was okay with her for me to go to a therapist. But then she would ask me, like, if I talked about her and the therapies, like, girl, nobody's talking about you. I'm talking about how the foster care system is fucked up. When my mom died, my therapist said, is this a good time to have you go get diagnosed as bipolar, which we had ne- we had talked about all that I told you. And then he was like, okay, so can you go get <laughs> on medication? And I finally was like, oh, wait, that's right. I'm bipolar and this is affecting my entire life. Let me go get help for this. I went and got help for it. I got on medication and the weekend I got on medication, I went and got the word worthy tattooed on me. That's awesome. So I have the word worthy tattooed on my wrist right here so that I have to see, I see it every day that it tells me that. So Because, you know, you still struggle daily, like, but I'm worthy of love and I'm worthy of all these things that I was told for 30 years that I'm not. And so (laughs) it's like my proudest tattoo that I'm like, oh, (laughs) yeah, it's been it's been a journey. And the fact that I don't even think about that, that story with Bob and Susan anymore, and it only comes up now in a goofing off manner really shows that I finally moved on 
from that, you know, so. That's awesome. Well, thank gonna- you. Thank you so much for <laughs> like being so open and vulnerable. About yeah. Because everybody is so worthy and deserving. And it's like wild to me that we have to sometimes convince ourselves of that. Why wouldn't we want to believe the best in ourselves? And it's crazy to me that we're just so willing to dive into self-hatred so quickly. And and that we've done that to ourselves through social media and all these things, you know, and, and when the people that you love are supposed to be telling you that stuff and they're not, it's kind of like you're being let down on all sides. And and then they say, you know, we need to change this. We need to talk more about mental health. We need to, it's like, we are talking about mental health and still nobody's changing this. <laughs> You're still not, you can talk about it all you want. You need to actively like do something about that. <laughs> so I've told, I've told that, that story of uh, me trying to kill myself and stuff like at youth groups and stuff like that. So it's not, I, I'm super open about that. Um, if it can help anybody not uh, do that. So. <laughs> no, I love what, I love what you just said. It's like when the, the people that are supposed to love you unconditionally find flaw in you, that's right. They're, like the, they're the first mirror you ever look into. Exactly. Well, do, exactly. You, do you have any final words about just this whole situation? Because there's a lot that we talked about. Just like any any final words of wisdom or just things that you'd like to let the audience know? Get their full name. <laughs> search all social media because he did have social media he was on myspace oh my gosh i forgot about myspace with a picture of his wife in the picture oh my gosh i can't handle this yeah get their full name check out their myspace yeah and 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 now and now their instagram threads you can look into too the way i logged on to that this morning for five seconds looked at it and went no We don't need a second Twitter. Too much. I really don't. But no, the, the main picture is that don't put their stupid decisions on yourself. You aren't a reflection of their stupidity. You're your own person who is doing the best that they could in the moment. And they took advantage of that. It's not you. Tune in on Thursday to hear me in a conversation with a mental health professional about self-esteem and how that affects us getting into relationships that maybe aren't the best for us. And again, if you want to go to the Breakup Breakdown Brunch, you can check out ticket information in the episode description. I'll see you whenever you decide to tune in next.